Welcome to Team Perry's Step Out of Line podcast, featuring co-hosts Perry and Lori Finkelstein. Together, they explore, meet, and share inspirational stories with guests who have made a positive impact in today's world. This podcast resonates with our hope to make this world a better place one step at a time through love, acceptance, and uplifting conversations. What we love about Ahava is we're Zionistic as well, and we love Israel, and we visited Israel, and we love the products. Uh, so that's a big plus, but we also love the fact that the products are um, organic, and, and it's very natural and very sensitive, both of us to products, and we started using samples recently. Love it. It's amazing. So that was very attractive as well. Um, and the name is beautiful, of course. Yeah. So what we want to talk about with people is how you have stepped out of line in your life. And it could be a million incidences, or it could just be one or two that you could think of. But probably the one that maybe you hold close to your heart is how have you stepped out in your life, whether it's business or personal, and um, how did it change things for you? And um, was it a positive experience? Would, are you glad that it happened? Would you have done things differently? Lots of things, as a matter of fact, because you're right. Um, I don't think people get to where they're going in the straight and narrow path. I think there's a lot of detours along the way or a lot of sidestepping along the way. Um, I was going through probably the most difficult part of my life, both personally and professionally. It all came at one time. And someone said to me that, um, you know, things will work out, work out for the best. Sometimes you just don't know it. Right. And that is the truest statement of all, because when I look back, that particular time in my, my life shaped me to be who I am today, the mother that I am, the wife that I am, as well as the business person that I am. And I think that that type of learning is critical for everyone. Um, you know, it's I, I can give you certain instances where I know that I have always had a job my entire life. I've never been somebody that's ever been let go of a job until I went to work for um, LVMH, which is the Louis Vuitton Moet Hennessy group. Mm -hmm. And I was the general manager for Guerlain, the fragrances of Guerlain. And all of a sudden, you know, I never thought about downsizing. I never thought about merging. I never thought that I would ever be a victim of any of that, but I was, and I was absolutely stifled in my everything. It shook me to the core. It shook me from what am I going to do financially? How am I going to, you know, put my daughter through college? You know, what is my husband going to say? What is my family going to say? And what had happened is, is they took three divisions of one company and they made one out of it. And mine was the smallest division. So what happened was I got the boot and I'll never forget it because I remember they were very good to me. I have nothing bad to say about them. They were very, very good to me. They supported me through the whole thing, both financially as well as emotionally, but it took me by surprise. And I think I always saw myself as somebody that was just on that straight and narrow path. I had no detours prior to that. And that set off a snowball effect for a lot of different things going on in my life. Um, I was also always on the corporate path, always, you know, really very groomed by the L'Oreal's of the world and, you know, have a wonderful, blessed education when it comes to being in this business. I've been in this business over 25 years. I've never wanted to be in any other industry in my life. 
But I also said, okay, what can I do besides this? Because I identified myself as being a person of this industry, as opposed to being a person of this industry that just happens to work in it. So there was a lot of identity crisis going on. The long and the short of it is, thank goodness, um, two weeks later, I got a job offer from this little tiny, tiny company. And I thought to myself, I'm not an entrepreneur. I shouldn't be doing that kind of stuff. You know, it's a little tiny company. But it offset a series of things that happened. And what happened was I didn't work at that company very long, but I met someone who became my business partner. And we were contacted by a celebrity hairstylist at the time that reality TV was just beginning. Mm-hmm. And this was in 2004 and never had I seen myself as being on reality TV, having anything to do with TV at all. But I found myself six months later owning my own company with my, my business partner and being on a television show for three years, which is the farthest thing that I had expected my life to do. And I'm not an actress. I don't want to be an actor. I think that, you know, in this business that I'm in, you act every single day. You know, you just totally are not acting outside of your heart. You're just acting every single day to move the company forward, to bring the best out in people. Mm -hmm. And so it's not about you anymore when you get to this point. It's about everybody that works with you and for you, including your boss, et cetera. But I found myself in this situation where this little tiny industry, it was called reality TV, and this little tiny, tiny channel called the Bravo channel, which it was only in the very beginnings. And I met Andy Cohen when he was like trying to get somebody to pay attention to him. And I found myself being able, the only way that we could market, afford to market our business, which was a hair product business, was to go on the television show and act, not act, but be ourselves. And it duplicated the process of a brand going from nothing as an idea to everything in developing formulas, naming names, putting it into distribution, seeing it successful or not, watch it being manufactured. And the whole show, every episode was about Jonathan, this person that was a hairstylist. He was the star of the show. But these two women, myself being one, come into his life and start telling him, you can't cut hair anymore. You've got to work with us because it was his business too. Mm -hmm. The long and the short of it is we did very, very well. We didn't know any better. Sephora, yeah, Sephora picked it up. They put it in all stores immediately. And it was very, very successful for three years. And uh, I ended up selling my shares in the company, which was a very good day, and then moving on to do other things. So I thought I was going to go to the poorhouse, you know, and losing my job. And I thought I was going to go a little bit stir crazy, not having a job. And I found myself in the deepest entrepreneurial experience that you possibly could imagine in front of the world, literally and figuratively. So that is one of them. And that's really a business one, but I'd love to share that with you because I think it's important for people to understand that your darkest days are the days that bring you most light. And it, it, I'm sure everybody's experienced it like yourselves have also. Right. I know like I, Perry's been applying for a lot of internships and for whatever reason, she's not able to get one or the other, or whatever happens. And I say to her, so, so something else will happen for you and that'll be better for you than this would have been. I think you have to look at things that way. 
Um, because if it, they people can look at a resume and say, this won't be a good match. Why would you want to be with them if they right. aren't positive enough? So, you know, everybody, there is a match for somebody or if you work somewhere, you'll get more experience and then you'll move on. And I think um, another professor was telling her, and I overheard this, was telling the class that in your professional life, you take detours all the time and that takes you on different paths. And Absolutely. you'll never know that might not have been exactly where you thought you were going to go. And just because you make that one decision, it catapults you into other different directions. So, and that's Perry. Yeah, Perry, I would not be at Ahaba. And I love how you pronounce it because that's the right pronunciation. Oh. It is Ahaba, but you know, Americans say Ahaba. Right. Um, I love the fact that you're saying that because I would never be here if I hadn't taken the detour to the left, to the right, to the left, to the right. And it's much more like going, you know, from side to side. It's almost like um, speed skating. You're going from one place to the other and you're still moving forward at a very fast pace. So I'm sure that I'm sure you're absolutely right, Lori, and that the right thing will be there at the right time. Right. And the, the most important thing, and I think this is one of the things that I was, um, I was very blessed in understanding, not consciously, but subconsciously when I had my own stripe and I wasn't getting to where I wanted to be, is that not only will things work out for you, definitely for the best, because we're all intended to have the best life. We're all intended to have the best life. We're the only ones that prevent ourselves from having the best life. But at the same time, you have to be open to everything. If you have any type of closed judgment, or you have any type of closed door in your mind, then you, you turn off all that opportunity that could multiply beyond that one closed thing that you see. Right. And I just recently went something we we had a we've worked very, very hard to do certain things in Ahaba. And last week we got a negative response to a project that we've been working on for almost a year. And what I've learned is, is that you immediately get back in the saddle. You immediately then go to the source and find out why you immediately reestablish your relationship. And those are the things that you've built along the way. And in building those along the way, they now have reopened the door to look at it differently. So I'm excited for you because I know something really great will happen, but please be open to everything because that's the only way that you get everything. One of the other things that I did want to share along this venue was you have to be open to let people help you. And so many people think that asking for help is weakness, that accepting help shows, you know, no strength. When I, when we first started our own company and then we didn't have any money, we went out, we got investors, we asked people to be a part of our company and we were very lucky in that respect also. But I have, I'm the kind of person that has been in the industry for so long and knows probably everybody that's in the industry at this point in time after being here for so many years and have really helped people along the way. But I never thought of asking for help Hmm. because I always felt that, and I'm not sure why, but I always felt as though that it would point out that I couldn't be the helper any longer. It would show a weakness in my character. And that's absolutely false. People want to help. Human beings to the core, we want to help each other. We just do bad things sometimes and don't. But I think that you, you need to ask for help. 
And that is, you know, I'm so glad, Perry, that you reached out and you asked me if, you know, we could communicate and if we could be LinkedIn buddies and that sort of thing. Because honestly, I don't know what drew me to your LinkedIn, you know, you see a bunch of names, but Mm -hmm. I normally don't link into people that I don't know very well. And for whatever reason, when you came back and you shared with me what you wanted to do in your story, I knew that there was a reason to stay open. And this is, you know, a good thing. And I think good things will come out of it for both you, your mother, uh, Lori, and myself as a result of it. That's so sweet. Um, you know, it's interesting. We, we had a conversation a few days ago with Katie Kitchens from Fab, Fit, and Fun, and we were talking about um, being able to take care of yourself, especially during the pandemic, do women let afford themselves even an hour a day for self-care? And I said, I can't, I don't. And then it got me really thinking um, that we all need to do that. And why do women have such a hard time? You're in the industry of beauty and glamour and, you know, everything beautiful inside and out but you know the out is what we're looking at right now and um why don't women afford themselves the luxury of just taking care of themselves why are we always taking care of everybody else well i I think that's true but i think you know what when somebody points that out don't you feel as though that you shouldn't do all of that but it's a matter of pointing it out um We want to be all things to all people. I'm sure it's in our DNA and I'm sure it's the nurturing part of our, our us as females. But I will tell you too, I think that by doing it for someone else, they don't learn on their own. So you have no chance at that point of them ever succeeding and learning on their own. So if I make my daughter's bed every day and I ironed all her clothes, she's now 28. So God forbid I was doing that now, then we'd really have a big problem, right? But if I had done that every day, instead of teaching her how to do it, then I'd still be doing it for her. Somebody else would be doing it or she wouldn't have it done, you know, and she would be inept in that area. So I would like to think mothers and people that are women that are, you know, in that position of feeling like they need to do for all, I would challenge us to stop and be teachers, instead of doers all the time. Stop and think about how you can bring the best out in whomever you're speaking with or whatever you're doing. Listen actively to what it is that they need to hear and in the language in which they need it. Mm -hmm. And then you can decide how you go about teaching them to do whatever it is that you were just gonna go randomly do. I'm the worst at this because it's easier for me to say, I know how to do it, I'll just do it, it'll be done right and I'll get it done really fast. And I realized in managing and leading people all these years is the worst thing that you can do because they will not, you know, they, first of all, they won't flourish. And second of all, you'll be doing their job and you want your job won't get done. So I think there's so many different ways, but I saw through the pandemic that women took a different position. A lot of us did. And that is, is that we found the time to do something for ourselves. And I can see that by the sales in the industry of home care products. Last year, and I almost hate to say this, but it's really, I'm very proud of it, but it's also kind of interesting to say, our best year at Ahava was last year. In the seven and a half years that I have been here, the best year I've had with Ahava was last year. And that is true of many companies that were positioned to do well. 
And in order to be positioned to do well, you had to have an online business already set up. In other words, you had to have the bells and whistles and able to ship it and, you know, react to customers. Because what women wanted most in this past year was to buy brands that were familiar and buy brands that they trusted the story or they've had a trust relationship with in the past. It was not the year to try new things. It was the year to buy a Hubba uh, Dead Sea Salts and take a bath. And, you know, I think that women really must have, I, I have to believe it so because I look at our business and other people's business and my friends in the industry that are, you know, competitors, we all had fabulous years. And it had to do with finally people and women saying, I'm going to do this for myself, or I'm going to just shut the door for a minute, or I'm going to, I have to use hand sanitizer. So I'm going to use hand cream because my hands are dry. One little thing. Right. It didn't need to be, I need to do a facial every day. I need to color my hair and my roots and that you didn't have to go that far, but we did, but you right. didn't have to go that far. It's so much as just buying a hand cream that works. It's and so I'm funny. not, Yes, I agree yeah, I'm not plugging so my product. Because, I'm just saying, yeah, that's that's okay, how I'll, we found it. I'll plug it because <laughs> Harry <laughs> started using the mineral hand creams and mm -hmm. um, the pepper, uh, right, just random. I think she goes, what about Ahava? And I said, oh, I love that brand. Let's, you know, see. And she fell in love with it. And she, she puts it on throughout the day. She does a lot of typing. And she started feeling more like her old self because we've been quarantining for a year in the house, over a year. And the only time we leave the house is to go to doctors or hospitals. So she's losing her mind. So she has her little tiny Ahava samples lined up in her bed and she puts them on and she just feels so, and she smells and I have to smell it. Everybody smells it. Dog smells it. Everybody smells it. But she feels so much prettier. And like she started doing her nails again. And just like, I think self-care, it just puts you in such a different mind. And if it's, a tiny thing like a lotion on your hand that that, gives, that uplifts you and makes you feel better, it's worth like its weight in gold. So you're so right, Lori, because um, I lost my mother in November, and oh, which was really thank you. It was very devastating to many to our family, and so you go into this, and I think a lot of people when the pandemic started, they either lost their jobs, they were furloughed, totally laid off had financial issues or like yourselves, just crawling the walls because right. it's just, it's hard to be home. And I found myself kind of setting a goal that my goal was not to be, I, I didn't want to furlough or let go any of my people at all. That was my number one goal was to keep everybody employed. Right. And we succeeded in that. So I was really very focused on reinventing the business and keeping people on my team with income. Unfortunately, everyone in Israel, they had to make a lot of changes because as you know, the business in Israel is all about the company stores, which relies on the tourism business. Right. And so that was very, very difficult for our company. But here in the US, we were thriving. So I had sold, you know, I went through eight months of having, you know, not a good time, but totally at a different place than most people and counting my blessings every day. Right. Then my, then my mother passes away. And I found myself, you know, like everyone does going into mourning, a little bit of a depression where you have to try to work yourself out of it. And I too, um, well, I started just not putting makeup on, not, you know, doing my hair, wearing like sweats every day, eating whatever I wanted to eat, you know, those kind of things that are so indicative of, of you know, depression. Right. And 
I, I said, you know what, this is ridiculous. People are relying on you. You're relying on people. Let's figure this out. So after, you know, a nice period of time, like six to eight weeks, when I allowed myself to do anything and everything and mourn as I choose to, I finally sat down on one day and I said, okay, you've gained seven pounds and your hair looks like, you know what, and your skin looks like, you know what, and you just don't have it together, girl. You just don't have it together. And I wasn't turning on cameras and Zooms. You know, it was that kind of thing. And overnight, I just used my body lotion and my hand cream. And I started putting some of the products from the Dead Sea, like the Crystallis Motor and that sort of thing on my skin. And I found myself enjoying looking in the mirror again and enjoying putting on a product that made your spirit feel good about being a woman and about, you know, being a person that, you know, had soft skin. So, you know, I, I say something to my daughter all the time. I swear I'm going to blog on it and this is going to be the name of my blog, but I think, you know, the most important thing is to enjoy your beauty and whatever age that you're at, you've got to enjoy your beauty. Nobody else is going to do it for you. It's what makes us up as women. You have to enjoy your beauty. And it's very different at stages of your life. But I went back and said to myself, oh my gosh, you write on a blog about enjoy your beauty. Why aren't you practicing what you need to? And so things have changed, but uh, I totally agree with you. And I'm so happy you love our products. You don't have, I, everybody that says that I get really excited. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like we're, we're at different stages in our life. So it's not only for somebody who's in college or it's, you know, like I'm premenopausal. I'm going through hot flashes, like right in front of Perry as she's saying, ma, you know, calm down. This is like last night. And I think no matter what age you're in, you need to feel good about yourself. And Absolutely. But I've learned like over the past year is, um, it's not, it, you, you have to work at it. It's nobody's going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, you really have and to that's, do it for yourself. Absolutely. And when you adopt, like when my, when my daughter calls me and we yak, 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 she lives in New York. I have my apartments in New York, but I'm down at the shore. My house is at the shore. So I'm down here right now. We, I sign off by saying, love you, Jenna, enjoy your beauty, hung up. So it, it's one of those things that she's heard for so long you know, she, first of all, it was embarrassing for her to hear me say that in front of her friends and so on, but it's become a mantra. And I really think you're right, Lori, you have to own your own beauty. You have to own your own feel good. You have to own your own confidence. And sometimes just having confidence about the way you look or confidence that you're going to get to where you want to go is the most important thing in life because women that have confidence are a whole different breed of women than women that have no confidence. You know, it's night and day. And I know that, um, you know, I'm not without insecurities and I'm not without confidence being shaken, you know, that sort of thing. I think with my mother, I lost my confidence. You know, I just lost the whole, you know, the confidence in life and the confidence about being somebody's daughter because I'm nobody's daughter anymore. So you you have to feel good about you. And you're so right. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody. No one's going to like wash your face. Nobody's going to do it. Right. Um, I lost both my parents um, a number of years ago, but I, my father went second. And I remember right after he passed away, I thought, this is it. Like, I'm the head now. You know, I'm, I'm the top person here. And like your mind shifts. It's a very interesting thing that you go through because you're, you are nobody's daughter anymore. And right. you are the top right. one. Um, so I, did, I found that kind of 
empowering in a way, like it was sad. And then I'm thinking, okay, so now I take on a new role. And that's how I looked at it. It's a different stage of life. Yeah. And I I was okay with it. You know, as as horrible as everything else was, I I was thinking, okay, you know, this is, this is okay. This is who I am now. Um, And it goes back to what we were talking about before. Sometimes things look very dark and you think that they're not going to work out. Things always work out for the best and just the way that they're intended. And I do believe that in my heart, even the pain that we go through of losing a parent, which nobody can describe unless you've been through it, as you know, or the loss of, you know, a job and nobody can describe it or a marriage and things do work out for the best. And there you went to a different, you're in, in your particular example, you know, you grew to a different, oops, a different level of your life and a different level of your understanding of what your purpose is. You have a beautiful, a beautiful heart.